0: Welcome to another episode of 10 Minute Techcom. This is Ryan Weber, your host. I'm very excited to present Dr. Marika Segel, an associate professor of technical communication at Michigan Tech, and she's joining us all the way via Skype from Estonia today to talk about her recent book, The Rhetoric of Pregnancy, which looks at books such as What to Expect When You're Expecting and Pregnancy for Dummies as user help. So let's talk to her about some of the things that she found. Welcome to the podcast. I'm very excited to have you here. I wanted to talk about your book and the way that uh, pregnancy guidebooks function as user manuals and user documentation. In your book, one of the things that you write is that the guidebooks and documentation available for pregnant women tend to facilitate functional rather than critical access to technological systems of prenatal care. What do you mean by this?
1: Well, in terms of technical communication in general, Mm -hmm. if the user has Functional access to a technology or technological system. It basically means that they have knowledge and the material access necessary to just engage with that system and Mm -hmm. do stuff with it. Mm -hmm. And I'm taking these terms from Adam Banks's book race rhetoric and technology. So he talks about these different levels of access that you need in order to really meaningfully be able to negotiate a technological system. This is functional access, just the ability to engage. Now critical access is a few steps above that. So if I can access the technological system critically, I can not only use it, do stuff with it, but I can negotiate it, I can sort of critically engage or disengage with it, et cetera. So, and ultimately that might also enable a user to be able to to transform a technology or repurpose it in some way. In terms of pregnancy guides, you know, a lot of technical communication is concerned with functional access, right? So here's how to operate your iron or your washing machine, right? You just mm-hmm. need to, be able to- do the thing. And that's fine. But when you're thinking about something like pregnancy, a reader or user of a pregnancy guide is going to be pregnant, whether or not they have instructions for doing so. This isn't really something that requires documentation, but there's a ton of it out there. You know, hundreds of guidebooks and manuals, websites, magazines. And so I just you started to be interested in why, why they're here, you know, what's going on with this. And they started to emerge along with a medical system of prenatal care in the early 20th century. And initially, they were, they really made pretty explicit arguments about why users should engage with this system and sort of what the ideologies driving it were and, and this kind of thing. But as we got later in the 20th century, they started to take this more functional approach, so to be implicit. They assume that the user's a pregnant woman is going to engage with the medical prenatal care system if she's pregnant, and they just talk about how to do so, so how to phone your doctor, right, <laughs> to, to, to cause him the least inconvenience is one example, <laughs> something like that, or, you know, what a what a prenatal visit might look like, um, what might go on there, things like this, and and even now, in fact, I think this functional approach has intensified with manuals like the Four Dummies series, for example, or what to expect when you're expecting, I and mean, a lot of the pregnancy manuals take this sort of user-friendly model that's been developed for computer documents. Right. It started out with a loss for dummies and they're applying it to pregnancy. And so the information is easy to access. It's task oriented. You know, there's troubleshooting information, (laughs) but it's a little bit more problematic, I think, when you're talking about a medical system and a body as a component to that system. (laughs) To look at the the book Pregnancy for Dummies, for example, in my book, I include an example of the table of contents. Again, you'll see this sort of task orientation. So for the second trimester, it talks about prenatal visits, second trimester blood tests, amniocentesis, other prenatal tests and procedures. So here are the tasks. You will engage in, in order to become pregnant. And then when we look at the, what we might, they don't call it troubleshooting, but we might think of it as the troubleshooting portion of this chapter. It's things like gas, heartburn, bleeding, fetal abnormality, your incompetent cervix. <laughs> like this. So the, the troubleshooting focus uh, portion all focuses on the, you know, pregnant body, things that might go wrong or things that might be risky about it and also the fetal body, rather than focusing on things that might be risky about these prenatal tests and procedures, for example. Right. Which themselves can carry some risk or there might be reasons that someone chooses to do them or not to do them.
0: So essentially, the books are treating the system as a given and then positioning the user to act responsibly as it defines it within that system. And that's okay. sort of the critique that you're you're making here.
1: Right. And then another component of that functional orientation is that the books tend to define Expert knowledge as only as medical knowledge, mm-hmm. and the the user becomes sort of a novice in relation to that system. So, not producing it's not that medical knowledge is an expert, but that the user might have their own kind of expertise. That's not demonstrated here.
0: Okay, great. And in a similar way, you you talk about the need to broaden the notion of usability beyond what we often test in the lab when we're talking about these guidebooks. What do you mean by that? What is this broader notion of usability and then how is it helpful in this case?
1: What I'm talking about is maybe a broader approach to usability research just in general that we might think about research methods that we're using in other contexts as a kind of usability Mm -hmm. research struck me as I've as I've taught some usability and and quite a bit of technical communication courses that it tends to focus on this kind of functional access so can the user use the website to buy something or you
0: know can
1: the user is she finding the information she needs can she carry out the tasks that have been defined Mm -hmm. by the usability test and that's all great and I think really valuable but in the case of something like a pregnancy guide that's providing this health information, it won't get at the question of whether the user has critical access to a system, whether they can sort of negotiate a system, this kind of thing. So this broadened approach to usability research, in my case, in my book, I'm talking about a sort of a historical research and also a rhetorical cultural analysis as, a, as also a type of usability research. And and what I think these methods get at are questions of why rather than how. So rather than asking, okay, what are the user's needs? Is this documentation fulfilling those needs? We're asking how has the user come to be articulated in a certain way so that she has these needs in the first place? Why do I feel that I need to find as a pregnant woman, the information about everything I eat that might put my fetus at some risk, for example? Or why do I feel that I need to engage with the medical prenatal care system in a certain way? Right, right. So, so that's what I was trying to get at. And that's, that's how I'd like to see usability research be expanded in these kinds of contexts. Okay, great.
0: So again, it's coming back to this idea of adding the critical to the functional.
1: Right, right, exactly. And I think this could be applied to a lot of different context. I mean, even when you're thinking about a technology that might be asking users to do things differently from how they've been used to doing them before, this need to sort of re articulate who that user of the technology is might be an important thing to do. You know, I think Google did it with Gmail, for example. Yeah. Okay. You know, their instructions weren't just like here's how you use it, it was here's why you need to use it this way. It's <laughs> a little bit of a different example, but again it's that rearticulation is going on, I think.
0: Lastly your book concludes with some guidelines to improve communication about pregnancy and health care. Can you give us a few recommendations that you found?
1: Yeah, you know, one thing I think is moving away again from this functional orientation and this this idea that it's, that documentation needs to stay out of the way and sort of be invisible and stay out of the way of users' engagement with a system. In some cases, that's really important and valuable, but I think in the case of pregnancy guides, for example, it's important to engage those questions of why and make the reasons that. Users might need to engage with the system or not engage with the system visible mm-hmm. cool. uh, so
0: back to the gmail example if if you yeah. draw that parallel, you know why yeah. why would you do things this way? What are some other alternatives?
1: Yeah, and I think in pregnancy guides, I mean, you see midwifery oriented pregnancy guides doing this pretty explicitly. so Ina Mae Gaskins, one famous figure there. And she really explicitly says, okay, prenatal care has been oriented around this technical medical model. And I'm trying to reorient it towards this midwifery model that sees the patient maybe as a more complete person in a <laughs> particular environment, mm-hmm. and pregnancy is not, a not so pathological thing. Right, right. And I, but again, I think this is something that could be done in a lot of different contexts. So how has the user been articulated, and how can we make those articulations visible so that we mm-hmm. can make it possible?
0: Well, I'm kind of reminded of this idea of you know hyperusability when documentation becomes or or systems become So usable that there's really no power for the user. They just kind of do whatever the system wants them to in a way because it's so easy. It seems like part of what you're talking about is giving women and and their partners ways to ask questions about the technologies in which they're engaging or give them information about the technologies that they're engaging so that they can ask better questions, make more informed decisions instead of just assuming this is the test you're going to get or this is the way that things are going to be done. Right. And, you know, The
1: the answer might be, yes, this is a good test to get, right? Right. But at least those questions can be raised instead of it just being an an inevitable progression.
0: Well, well, this is really interesting. Uh, Thank you so much for talking about your work with us.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it.